like how you said I'm bigger than an Easter egg. What are you trying to say? I know I've put on weight since Holly came along, but come on. Morning, church. How are we all doing? We all good? Without even saying anything, I guarantee George can play this song. Can you play that song, George? Yeah, I knew you would be able to. <laughs> Maybe at the end. That'd be awesome. But you know, as Stephen said, it's a bit of a shorter service this week and next week. Um, so hopefully I'm just going to be 20 minutes maximum, he says. Um, but I just want to bring a word of encouragement. Um, as some of you know, I've been away to India, um, and I met a guy called Ernest. When I spoke up here last, I spoke about who Ernest was and a little bit about he was the one that set up the Mana Group of Ministries over in India. Ernest is in his 80s now, and he's not a well man. He's very unwell. He does dialysis three days a week. Um, and I remember I said to him, I said, I just said to Ernest, I said, how can you be a man of faith even though you've went through what you've went through? Even though India as a country is one of the highest persecuted churches, it's now in the top ten of open doors, you're physically not well, how can you hold on to your faith? And he said to me, because I am and have always been afraid of falling short of his glory, don't stop believing. Amen? Could you believe? Could you imagine if we were on a journey? I just had to use the word journey because they're the ones that wrote the band. <laughs> could you imagine if we were on a journey and we didn't stop believing? If we could get a grasp and a hold of not like that kind of don't stop believing? And I think particularly, you know, as Stephen was saying for Callum and Jen, if you want to get motivated and you've got social media, join Callum and Jen's Instagram feed because these guys just don't stop believing. Everything they're going through, I read it daily and I'm just encouraged daily. It's almost become my kind of go-to daily reading. I open up Callum and Jen's Instagram post and I'm just encouraged. But I believe there's people here this morning they need to grab a hold of the promises God has planned for them and have a determination that God is actually going to use them and fulfill them. I believe that there's people in this church that are closer to the fulfillment and the promise than you actually think. Sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we don't know when the end game is. But I believe in here this morning, somebody's so close to that fulfillment of a promise. Wouldn't it be awesome if somebody had a fulfillment of a promise this morning? Could you imagine if that was you, that something's been speaking over your life for years and years, and all of a sudden today, that fulfillment is, the promise is fulfilled? I would love to see that. I just want to bring a word of encouragement and just hopefully give a little bit of guidance about how we can do that. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and just give him a little shove. I'm going to give you a little push this morning. I'm, wa I'm watching the Hannah boys. I said a little push. These guys are wrestling in the front row already. <laughs> but in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You see, even though I was in India, 
when I was encouraged by Ernest. It doesn't make a difference what country we visit. You know, we've got a team just now in Uganda, and man, if you've been keeping up to date with them, they're doing some awesome things. You know, I love seeing Raphael out there. He's kind of with the kids doing bits of magic. He's leading worship. He's taking his photography skills to a whole new level. But it doesn't make a difference where we are, what country we're in, what church we attend. There are people all around the world, Christians, who have not received a promise from God yet. The underlying message I want to say today, and if I could give you a memory verse, it would be from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will, then you will receive. Everyone say receive. Then you will receive all that has been promised. You know, I want to look at my favorite Old Testament um, book of the Bible in Joshua. And I want to try and help us to get a grasp of how can we receive this promise from God? How can we this morning believe that our promises will be fulfilled? And from Joshua, we, we see in chapter 6 that it talks about the walls of Jericho. You know, a lot of us have probably heard of the walls of Jericho. Um, I remember growing up, I was from a non-Christian home, so the walls of Jericho to me went one thing. Anyone that's over the age of 25, did anyone watch the wrestling? Yes, one or two. You know what the walls of Jericho was? Oh, it was a wrestling move. That's all the walls of Jericho meant for me. And boys, I'm going to teach Milo how to do it. So you better get running, because you'll, including you, Stuart, once you know the walls of Jericho, you're the winner of the house. But when I started to become a Christian and read about the walls of Jericho from the Bible, it's just one of the most encouraging kind of scriptures I believe you can read when you're in this kind of unfamiliar territory about getting a fulfillment of a promise. And you know, Joshua describes how God's people had to conquer a land that they'd been granted. They'd been promised to them. This is the promised land. But yet for 40 years, for all this time, they still had not fulfilled the promise. They weren't living in it yet. The scripture says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places thanks to Christ Jesus. So whatever is in Christ... Is supposed to be working in me. Well, can I just say this morning that I read the Bible and it says that we're meant to have the joy of the Lord? Sometimes I don't feel like I've got joy. It says we're meant to have strength from Him. Sometimes I feel weak. Anyone else feel weak? Feel sad? It happens. So how can we believe in that scripture? But I want to look at some key verses from Joshua chapter 6. And if we're going to, I'm going to summarize it because we don't have time to read the full chapter 6, but I want to encourage you to go away and read about it more. But how did God's people enter the promised land? How was this promise fulfilled? You know, if I could turn this into a movie, a two hour action movie, we're probably entering the scriptures around about the the one hour 15, one hour 30 moment where the good guys are just about to conquer the enemy. So that kind of sets the scenes to where we are. I'm going to read Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 to 5. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. 
No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you will march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the promised land. And when I was reading that, I believe the first point I want to make is sometimes our perception can be blocked. So we've got bad perception. You know, if we remember the the memory verse I spoke about in Hebrews, I'll read it again quickly for you. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive what he has promised. You see, we read in verse 1 of Joshua, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one was allowed in or out. In other words, this was a difficult situation. Some would say almost impossible. But how many people this morning know that impossible doesn't exist to God? How many people know that when something's on lockdown or closed off, we sometimes make that assumption that, okay, God, it's not meant to be for me. That's too difficult. Okay, I'll move on. Well, this morning I want to flip that on its head. I want to say that if there's something in your life, there's something in your life that you can't seem to get a breakthrough in or can't seem to get past the gate, no longer do I want you to say, okay, God, this is impossible for me. Rather, I want you to say that this is a sign from God that the enemy is trying to keep you out. Amen? You see, we see, and we see here, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. Why were they shut? If you were to understand the scripture more, if you could imagine Jericho as a land and picture it as Dunfermline, the walls of Jericho would only be covering the area of the Glen Pavilion, Pittencreef Park. So we, we, we hear about the walls of Dunfermline. You would assume the outline of Dunfermline would be covered. But it's not. This is a small part of Jericho. But because of the Israelites, because of the good news of God, because of all the, the victory that God has had over the land, Jericho have shut up shop. They've all hidden behind the walls. God's not trying to say, don't achieve this. The enemy's trying to stop you from getting in. And I want to encourage you this morning, if there's something in your life that you can't get a hold of or you just can't get a breakthrough in, don't turn away and walk away. Believe that God's saying this is the right thing, but the enemy's trying to stop you. Amen. Let's have a breakthrough this morning. You know, this is the first battle that we see of the Israelites claiming their inheritance, of them claiming this promised land. And you know, when I asked you to give somebody that little push, that little shove, I believe that it's a there's so much in this aspect of it being the first moment of achieving this, of achieving this inheritance. You know, if you can 
try and remember when you first started riding a bike or when you took your first steps. You know, just that little push, that little shove, just to get you going, just to get things started. It's sometimes the most hardest thing to do is to take that first step, that first leap of faith in order to get things going. But I believe that some of the stuff that we are facing, some of the stuff that's not happened in our lives yet, some of the promises we've not received, some of the stuff that intimidates us, I don't think it's bigger than us. I just believe we need that little shove to get things going. And it's so important that when we come to church, that we come every Sunday, that we go home and we read the Bible daily, we worship daily, we prayer daily. Because you see, what happens is we end up living six days a week if we don't do that, focusing with this bad perception of all we can see is the high walls of Jericho in our lives. We start to focus on the setbacks. We focus on the disappointments of our lives, on the bad news that we receive Monday to Saturday. We start to look at our past and question what we've achieved. We dread the future, and we always see problems in our life. But when we focus on God and His perspective, our whole life changes, and no longer do we see the walls or the problems, but we start to see the greatness of God. You see, verse 1 highlights what the walls were, and verse 2 starts with, but... Can I say I love buts? I bet you never thought you would come to church this morning to hear a man on the stage say, love buts. <laughs> Hannah's not here, so it's fine, I can say it. <laughs> but when I say it, when it says but or therefore in the Bible, it is there for a reason. And the reason this morning is that even although we've highlighted what these walls are, immediately in verse 2, it says, but the Lord said to Joshua... I have given you Jericho. So we know we're facing these walls. We know we have problems in our life. But already, even though it's not, he's not conquered it yet, God has already declared over his life that he has victory. Amen? In other words... God is saying to us this morning that I have given victory over any situation or any circumstance we may face. He has given us a heavenly perspective. You see, he has no concept of time. He just stands in victory all of the time. The second point I want to make about Joshua and the walls of Jericho is Sometimes progress is slow. In other cases, progress is non-existent. It says in verse 8 to 12, so Joshua chapter 6, verse 8 to 12, after Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of all the priests with the horns and some of behind the ark, with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not talk, 
Joshua commanded, not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. And then you will shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. You know, I, I, I love making progress, and there's nothing more demoralizing when progress is slow or non-existent. You know, when I was growing up, I had a, a Game Boy. This is almost like a blast from the past, wrestling, Game Boys. But I had a, a game called Tetris. And I used to love Tetris because what used to happen is when you aligned the bricks, it used to disappear. And it was almost like you could see the progress you were making. You could see the score going up and you were getting higher and higher points, but you could see the wall technically disappearing. You were making progress. And, you know, when Hannah and I got our new kitchen decorated, we used to come home every day and we could see the progress that they were making. There was new flooring going in. There was new worktops. There was tiles going up, a new cooker. Progress is good. We all like to see progress. But sometimes progress is slow. Sometimes progress is non-existent. And I want us just to take this concept of an army of men going out and marching around the wall and seeing no progress. Not like a game of Tetris where a single line falls down. There's no sign, there's no evidence that progress is getting made. And I want you to imagine that Stuart Hanna over here, he says to Jill, I've got a brand new project. I've just signed off on it. I'm going to go and see how the progress is. And he gets all his stuff and he heads off to work and he walks around the site, walks around the foundations of the site, doesn't say a word. He's been commanded, silence, don't say anything. And he marches around, and he comes back to Jill, and Jill's like, oh, Stuart, how was your day's work? Rubbish. Progress was slow. The boys had done nothing. All my architect drawings, nothing. That's okay. Jill calms him down. It's okay, Stuart, don't worry. <laughs> yes, she's <laughs> Where's the money? <laughs> he then goes out the next day. Same thing happens again. And he comes back. And he does this for six days. And there is no sign of progress. You see, what I find interesting here is when God spoke to Joshua, he said on the seventh day, the walls will come down. But yet when Joshua spoke to the priests and the men of war, he doesn't even tell them that. He doesn't tell them it will be on the seventh day. He just says, go and march around the walls. How angry would you be? You know, how angry would Stuart be if his client said, I want you to come every single day to see how the progress is coming along with that building that you've designed for us. But little does Stuart know that no progress will be made until the seventh day. How angry would you be if you turned up for six days and you've wasted all that time? Wouldn't it just be far easier if they just said, don't come for six days, just turn up on day seven? Wouldn't that be easier? Why doesn't God do that for our lives? I'm not going to heal you today or tomorrow or the next day. I'm going to give you healing on day seven. I'm going to give you financial blessing in three months' time. Man, things would be so much easier. 
But I believe there's power in the waiting. You see, when we wait upon the Lord, we're molded, we're shaped into better and stronger Christians. So not only do I believe that Joshua deliberately didn't say anything to God, it is people, I believe there's power in the silence. You know, it says in it says that Joshua commanded them, do not speak. He was so clear, do not speak. And you see, we see other scriptures in the, the Bible. It says in James chapter 1, verse 19, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In Exodus, we see Moses it says, do not be afraid, stand still and be silent and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. Psalm 37, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him and do not fret. In other words, do not get angry. You see, when Joshua commanded the army to be silent in verse 10, he had the wisdom from God that he knew in this situation that they would not understand what we read in James chapter 1 there. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I can guarantee for a fact, after six days of marching around and seeing no progress, these guys would be so demotivated and they would not be happy. I guarantee they would be quick not to listen. They definitely would be quick to speak we're not doing that again. You know, take Stuart's situation here. This is a made-up one, by the way. <laughs> you know, he would be quite quick to speak to his client and say, I'm not coming back to your site. I'm not coming to listen to you. He'd be quick to get angry. But the Bible's telling us, be slow to speak, slow to get angry. And I believe what Joshua is doing here is he is highlighting for us that even though our promises have not been fulfilled, even though it feels like we're marching day after day, if we can, do not get angry. If we can, hold on to that promise and be patient. You see, our thoughts are often our own worst enemy. Sometimes we've got to talk to people. We've got to get advice. We've got to express how we feel. But sometimes the best strategy is just to shut up and keep marching. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I've always wanted to do this in church, and just say, shut up. You see, I can get away with this because I'm not a pastor. So not only have you pushed someone this morning, you've just told them to shut up. So Aaron and Lindsay, there's going to be a lot of people knocking on your doors afterwards. But you see, what I love about the scripture is that even although we've talked about the, the power of silence and the importance of it, we then see that it's through the words and the actions of the people that have been told to be silent that actually ends up bringing the victory over the walls of Jericho. You see, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 15, we see on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. 
The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed. So we go from silence to all of a sudden declaring victory over the promise. The third thing I want to look at from Joshua is are we there yet? I could imagine for anyone that's got a kid, I can see Jill laughing already, <laughs> anyone that's over the age of maybe three, so Hannah's not quite, uh, Polly's not there yet, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? My sister was the world's worst. I'm trying to play Tetris on my Game Boy. I'm trying to get rid of my bricks, and she's just shouting, are we there yet? But you know, we're all, you know, we, Hannah and I are heading off to Australia in the summer, and trust me, I'm going, to be a, I'm going to be asking myself, are we there yet? Because Holly's got to sit on my knee for about 28 hours on a plane. So uh, that'll be interesting. But um, it, it's certainly going to test my level of faith. But when, when I mentioned before about progress and that game of Tetris, I, I really believe that God didn't want to reveal that little bit of a time, that little bit of evidence that every time they marched round something was coming down because I, and I believe that in our lives it's the same situation and it's you know, it's very difficult to grasp, it's impossible to understand but if we can somehow apply it to our lives, that even although we've been praying daily, we've been reading our Bibles daily, sometimes a promise hasn't been fulfilled yet but I believe what he did and what Joshua did for these men is he didn't want to allow them to see progress because he didn't want them to put the trust in their own efforts. He didn't want them to have trust in what they were doing, but rather he, they wanted, God wanted them to have faith in the promise. You see, sometimes God lets us walk around in a situation where what we're doing doesn't seem to be working. Because he wants to know that we trust him and that the trust in him is what's working on the promise. In other words, don't stop believing. You know, you might be tired, it might not make sense. You might be sick, fed up of marching around and seeing no progress, of blowing that same trumpet daily. But just hold on to the journey you're on and don't stop believing. Because trust me, someday in this room is so close to the fulfillment of a promise. And those walls of Jericho that have been surrounding your life day in, day out are all of a sudden going to be gone. And I'm just going to ask the band to come back up. And I just want to end with this, that, you know, have, have you ever felt, in fact, do you know what, can we, can we stand, if you can, can we, can we stand as a church? You know, have you ever felt that what you see in your life doesn't match what God has placed in your heart? Have you ever felt like God is speaking to you? 
maybe this morning about victory, about don't stop believing, about keep going, but yet you feel defeated. Have you ever felt like God is speaking to you about healing, but inside all you feel is broken? Have you ever felt like God was speaking to you, telling somebody to go and tell somebody else about Christ, but yet deep down you have doubts about his existence? Have you ever had or heard God instruct you in your heart to give something to somebody else, but yet meanwhile you know you've got needs of your own? Well, this morning I just want to encourage you Don't stop believing, for we never, and I mean ever, want to fall short of the glory of God. We never want to stop and fall short of His victory. There is a divine moment that is coming, and if you can grasp a hold of that, that could be for you this morning. It could be for me. As we look at Easter, and we see the greatest fulfillment of a promise. Could you imagine if Jesus gave up? I want you to just picture a situation in your life, something that has been promised to you by God, maybe it's been spoke over you prophetically, but it hasn't been fulfilled. And I want you just to imagine Jesus as he's heading to the cross, And I want you just to imagine these walls of Jericho around you. Your perspective has been blocked. Progress has been slow. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But I just want you to hold on to that grace, fulfillment, and promise that Jesus, God gave His one and only Son for you, for me. There would be no such thing as Easter if that greatest promise wasn't fulfilled. You see, Father, we stand in victory this morning. We stand in your glorious name. Lord, will you help us to see, just as you helped Joshua, to see past our own eyes, but have a heavenly perspective on the situations surrounding us this morning. We pray for strength at times of our weakness. We pray that when progress is slow, that we can stand still and silent and still say that the Lord is good. Father, we know there are people all around us, in church, at work, in our families, that are sick and fed up of waiting and walking around the same mountains, walking around the same addictions, walking around the same situations day in, day out. But today, today, Father, as in the lead up to Easter, we stand in victory, for we will not stop believing, as we know that only you can knock these walls down, Father. We commit this to you this morning, for we pray that we will not fall short of your glory, that we will not fall short of your victory, and that we will not stop 
Because if we stopped on day six, there would never be a day seven. Those walls would never have come down. And Father, as the band lead us in worship, I want us as a church to give it an almighty cry and a declaration this morning that we stand in victory and triumph over anything that the enemy is trying to do with us. Amen. Lord, let's just give it up for Jesus this morning.